The Hill Talks, a podcast by The Hill Talk. Hello, hello. I'm Juan Ben Jr., your host, bringing you three stories you need to know. Coming from the nation's oldest black collegiate newspaper. This week, Sodexo Dining employees allege toxic and unsafe working conditions. Universal Music Group pulls their catalog from TikTok. And we check in on Howard's men's basketball team. Will they make it to the MEAC tournament? Keep listening and find out where they stand. Without further ado, let's get into it. Howard Dining workers allege toxic and unsafe working conditions under Sodexo, the main food retailer for dining services on campus. Employees, students, and members of Union Local 23, the union that represents campus cafeteria staff, marched in a picket line in front of the Armour J. Blackburn University Center earlier this month. Joy Young and Soraya Adams are two campus reporters at the Hilltop covering this story. Joy, Soraya, welcome to the Hilltops. Thank you. Thank you. Now, employees allege that they're experiencing a toxic and unsafe work environment. What are some of the things that workers have said that they're experiencing? So from just some of the workers that Joy and I have talked to, they've described to us having outdated equipment and machinery. Certain managers belittle them, constantly making the work environment unsafe for them physically and mentally. They've also shared that they've been understaffed, that they've been overworked without adequate pay, and that's basically some of the things that Joy and I have heard from the workers that we've talked to. It feels like just a few months ago, we were covering Sodexo employees' successful renegotiation of their contract with the company, which was supposed to secure an immediate raise to $18 an hour, a $7.50 raise allocated over the next four years, and other benefits. I want to play a clip of a Sodexo employee taken at that protest I mentioned earlier. She talks about the raise and her experience with the company. The reason why I'm out here is because we have not gotten a raise. We went to the negotiation table, but because of one particular person saying he want to hold back our money, it costs for us to live. It costs for us to send our kids to school. We want our kids to go to college, too. We want our kids to eat, too. We want we want to be able to have transportation, get to and from work. We don't want to have to borrow a bag from nobody. We want our own money. You understand? We stand on our feet eight hours a day here at this job, sometimes even more, even more, supporting you making you a billionaire and why we are still falling to the bottom. Yep. We're falling to the bottom and nobody want to say anything. Well, I'm saying something now. It's time for you to pay us. What happened to that raise that they were supposed to get? I can go ahead and start with that. Miss Hollis, that's how she's affectionately known by a lot of Howard students. Her full name is Hollis Coates. She works at Annex. She was telling me that she actually went to Sodexo asking them, so what happened to all of the stuff that we signed in the contract back in October? And they said that they would have everything for them around the end of January, beginning of February. And so Ms. Hollis asked if she could share that with her coworkers, if she could get everybody like excited about the incentive. And she said that was then, it's almost the end of February, and they still haven't received any word on what's happening with their raises, what's happening with their health care. So she thinks like, okay, I'm not sure if this is still happening or if they're still going to follow through. Has Sodexo responded at all to these allegations? We have tried talking with Sodexo representatives and managers. 
We were only able to speak with one manager who said they wanted to remain anonymous. However, all other people that we've tried to contact have either declined to comment or just have not responded to us. So how are students reacting to all this? I think that the students have been extremely supportive, even starting back in October, September, when this issue was first brought to light. They've been holding picket lines, protests. They had one on February 7th. They had another one, I think, on February 20th. So they really just want these workers to get what they deserve um, and just been like really, really like engaged in this problem. Joy, Zariah, thank you so much for your reporting. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us on. Last month, Universal Music Group failed to come up with a new licensing deal with social media behemoth TikTok. Because of this, Universal Music Group or UMG's entire catalog will be pulled from the platform, meaning no more dancing to SZA or Taylor Swift. Here to talk with me about it is Marcellus Williams, a business columnist at the Hilltop. Hi, Marcellus. Hello. So what exactly was UMG's reasoning as to why they would not agree to a deal? Right. So UMG stated that TikTok failed to reach three critical issues throughout their negotiations, uh, which were appropriate compensation for artists and songwriters, the protection of artists from AI and other content produced by AI, like these AI robots doing voiceovers for their songs or creating beats for their artists, and the online safety of TikTok users in general. And UMG claimed that they failed to adequately meet all of those standards, which is the reason why they were able to come to an agreement. I understand that TikTok responded with an open letter of their own. What did the social media company say in their defense? TikTok responded with a fairly short four-sentence, five-sentence response saying that they were disappointed in the decision, blaming it on the greed of the record label, and in that they put their greed for whether it's royalties or just overall profits over the individual rights of their artists and songwriters, uh, and that the whole rhetoric that UMG has been presenting is just false. That's basically how the sentiment that they're trying to push in their response. Taylor Swift, Bad Bunny, Drake, SZA, Billie Eilish. I mean, these are just a few of the artists that are signed to UMG, a music label that controls about 32% of the market for all artists. What kind of impact will pulling their catalog from the platform not only have on UMG, but also on TikTok? Right. So starting with UMG, it's definitely going to hurt the way that these artists promote their music and tours and basically their entire careers. Given that TikTok is the one-stop shop almost for marketing and promotion, having like a large reach to audiences, specifically Gen Z, it's really where everyone is going to now to find new artists as well as find new music from the artists that they already like. So the fact that they no longer have access to that market is going to be pretty damaging. Maybe the big acts like Drake and Bad Bunny are going to be okay because they've already been established for years. But artists that are smaller than them who rely on TikTok a lot are going to have some issues with promoting their music as long as it's disagreement with stands. And from TikTok's point of view, in my opinion, it just seems like it's going to be somewhat of a less enjoyable app for users. You know, like the most popular trends and songs and algorithm pushing content is from these big artists, specifically Drake and SZA almost has played a huge role in the growth of TikTok, especially during like the 2020 and 2021 explosion that it saw was greatly due to these UMG artists, given that 
they make up, like you said, about 32% of the market. Users are going to be unable to use their music from their favorite artists. They're not going to be able to participate in any trends that were involving the music from those artists or just engage with any of the content from those artists as well. So from a user satisfaction point of view, that is going to be quite damaging to TikTok. But like they said in their open letter response, they've come to agreements with every other label and publisher. So there's still plenty of artists that will be still accessible to users. And it also opens up the space for smaller artists or independent artists. You just created the perfect segue into my next question, which was UMG's absence now on the platform kind of creates opportunity for independent artists and for smaller artists to step in and fill that void. I wonder if you can just say more about that. Yeah, so with these huge artists withdrawn from the platform, it leaves a gap for independent artists to grow and reach new fans. No longer is the algorithm being controlled and manipulated by these ginormous acts. These artists now have the chance to contribute their songs to certain trends or manipulate the algorithm in their own way. Because, like I said, there's a gap that needs to be filled. The good thing about TikTok is that it is very common for certain acts to go viral, especially with music. All it takes is a few posts uh, set up the right way, edited the right way, and boom, you're viral. And with a lot of these artists being gone, it's just going to create that space for them to go viral even more and reach even larger fan bases. Well, Marcellus, I really appreciate you for your breaking this down and just expressing your insight. Um, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Howard's men's basketball team had a busy week playing two games against two Carolina teams. They came out victorious against North Carolina Central with their highest score of the season, but came up too short against South Carolina State. Here to talk with me about the games and offer an update on where the team stands as the defending champs of the upcoming Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference is Jeffrey Jones, sports reporter at the Hilltop. Jeffrey, welcome back to the show. Glad to be back. Always welcome to talk about some hoops. Yes. The Bison beat the Eagles 90-82 to on Saturday, February 17th. You covered that game and you wrote that their offense really shined that night. Yeah, so the offense definitely stood out. They scored 90 points their season high, like you said. Marcus Dockery, he hit five three-pointers, led the team with 26 points. That's the most points he scored all season. And then they had another 20-point score. Bryce Harris scored 23 points. So that and when you add Seth Towns and Shai Odom, all their contribution, they had four scores that ended up in double-digit scoring. So that was definitely big time for them. And their continued three-point shooting over the course of the season, they hit over 10 threes again this game. And it's just definitely good to see that they're on pace with scoring. You know, up until that point, Marcus Dockery had three straight games where he scored over 20 points. So their scoring is definitely up to par with the rest of the league, even past the rest of the league, to be honest. Last time you were on the show, you talked about how the team's defense hasn't been their strong suit this season. However, I understand that the team did a pretty good job in holding the Eagles back. Could you explain? Yeah, I think that one thing that we've seen improve with the Bison defense is really their strength in on-ball defending and really defending as a group is one of the big one of their biggest strengths that they've tackled so far. And I think it's really just come from, you know, Bryce Harris being the leader of the defense. He's on pace to become the defense player of the year in the MEAC. So I think that through his leadership, they've gelled together as a unit better. 
Now, speaking of the MEAC, after this initial win against North Carolina Central, the Bison moved up to second place in the MEAC standings. However, the team now sits at fourth in the rankings after their Monday loss against South Carolina State. What happened there? Like we've been talking about, uh, one of the themes throughout Bison basketball has really been their three-point shooting. And one thing that South Carolina State did to kind of limit that was they ran a press defense. They played defense beyond the half-court line. So they kind of did a good job at putting pressure on our ball handlers and stopping our guys from moving the ball and being able to create open shots for their teammates. So that is kind of why we came out with the loss with that game. And Moving down in the MEAC standings, I mean, the MEAC is such a tight race right now. I think we got four teams at this point that are five and four. The Bison are one of them, so they still have a chance to move up. They're only one game back still, even though they moved down to fourth place. They have the talent to beat anybody, even though they lost to South Carolina State. It was a very close game against a really good defensive team. And don't forget that we were just talking about their win against NCCU, the Eagles. The last time they lost to them by 19. So I think that their persistence and the way that they bounce back through the course of the season, they definitely can beat South Carolina State the next time they play. They have the talent to beat anybody. Jeffrey, we appreciate your analysis as always. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's it for this week's episode of The Hill Talks. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me and our new multimedia reporter, Madison Bello. But none of this work, as you know, would be possible if it wasn't for the hard work of our reporters, columnists, and editors at The Hilltop. Special thanks to Joy, Soraya, Marcellus, and Jeffrey for joining me today. You can check out their stories and more of our reporting by visiting thehilltoponline.com, where we publish stories on everything from news and politics to what's happening in culture every Monday. Follow us on social media at the Hilltop HU. And if you liked our theme music, it was created by Terry Thomas. That audio you heard of the CAP employee at the protest was captured by the DMV chapter of the Students for Socialism. Thank y'all for letting us use that audio. With that being said, this is where I leave you. Till next time, Bison. <laughs>